What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. I'm going to be going over the college football playoffs going into an early 2021 NFL mock draft for the top 10 picks as of right now. And I'll be doing a little bit of some MLB free agency. I am recording this on Thursday. I'll be posting it tomorrow because of my job schedule. But we're going to talk about the college football playoff. So right now, it's very tough with all the teams and what the college football playoff is going to decide to do with who's in and who's out because the fact of the matter is because of COVID some teams haven't played as many games other teams haven't gotten to play better tier opponents because of cancellations because of COVID you have teams like Ohio State who are undefeated but they've only played five games so it's very tough to decide what's going to happen as of right now Alabama Notre Dame Clemson and Ohio State are the top four teams in the country those are the presumptual four teams that are going to be in the college football playoff. However, there are a lot of different scenarios that could happen between now and then. So Alabama right now is 10-0. They will be playing Florida in the SEC title game this weekend. You have Ohio State playing number 14 Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. You have Notre Dame and Clemson squaring off in the ACC title game. The two teams already met earlier in the year where Notre Dame beat Clemson, but Trevor Lawrence was not playing. Then you have Texas A&M, who is 7-1. They're taking on Tennessee. They're currently ranked number 5 in the country. You have the undefeated Cincinnati Bearcats at 8-0, taking on number 23 Tulsa in the American Athletic Conference title game. You have USC, another one of those undefeated teams at 5-0 in the Pac-12 title game against Oregon, but they've only played five games. Iowa State at 8-2. Them and Oklahoma are going to be squaring off in the Big 12 title game. Oklahoma is at 7-2. And then Florida 8-2 is against Alabama, as I mentioned before. Florida is currently at number 7. Iowa State at 6. And then Cincinnati is at 9. Oklahoma is at 10. So those are really the teams I'm keeping an eye on this weekend. Um, to me, Notre Dame and Alabama are automatic locks for the college football playoff because even if Alabama were to lose, they're still going to be 10 and one Notre Dame, same type of thing. If they lose to Clemson, they'll be 10 and one. They would have split with Clemson. So I think there's no way either of those teams get bumped out. Then you start getting into these other teams. You look at Texas A&M, their only loss on the year is to Alabama. So that's a quality loss. You look at Iowa State. They lost to number six, Oklahoma State, at the time. Um, Since then, Oklahoma State has fallen way down. They're all the way at number 21 right now. But at the time, they were number six. That really wasn't a terrible loss. Their worst loss was against Louisiana, which was their first game of the season. They were unranked. Very bad loss to have. However, Louisiana has worked themselves all the way to number 19 um, in the rankings. So, It ended up not being an awful loss at the end of the day. You look at Oklahoma, they lost to Iowa State, so that's not a terrible loss. And then they also lost to Kansas State, which isn't a good loss at all. 
Florida, to me, cost themselves a real opportunity at making the college football playoff because they had only lost Texas A&M up until last week, which is a quality loss. But then they fell against LSU, which is a really tough loss because LSU has been terrible this year. Um, so really not a good loss for them. So going through all the scenarios I just mentioned, you have Notre Dame and Alabama to me are locks. Clemson to me, if they beat Notre Dame, they are in. If they lose to Notre Dame, this is where things are going to get interesting because then they're going to be 9-2 and two and there's going to be a lot of other 9-2 and two teams. Clemson, Dabble Sweeney would make the case that they have two quality losses, both against Notre Dame, who's arguably one of the, if not the best team in the country. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Ohio State, to me, if they do beat Northwestern, they will most likely get in. Do I think it's necessarily fair? No, because you're going to have a team that could potentially be 6-0, and playing four to five less games than a lot of these other teams making it in. However, it's not Ohio State's fault. The Big Ten originally decided to cancel the season, and then they started it late, um, and there's been cancellations and whatnot. You know, Michigan canceled their game against them so you know it's just very tough in that situation to really blame like the players and stuff on Ohio State when it really wasn't up to them when they would be playing so that's tough for them I do think they will get in just because of the name the great players they have Justin Fields one of the best quarterbacks in the country you know that the committee looks at that kind of stuff and even though they'll never admit it those type of things do actually matter um, Texas A&M and Florida, I do think, have a chance to get in, but they definitely need some help. If Texas A&M handles their business against Tennessee, beats them, moves to 8-1, and one, and then either Ohio State or Clemson or both lose, I think they have a legitimate case that they could be the number four team in. And in Florida, their case is simple. If they can beat Alabama in the SEC title game, I think you're going to potentially overlook a few of the losses they've had and maybe put them in over another team but at the same time I believe Ohio State or Clemson would also have to lose between one of them I just find it very hard to believe even if Florida did upset Alabama and finish at eight and two and their only losses were to Texas A&M and LSU I just still think it'd be very tough to put them in over an undefeated Ohio State team even though they've played less games like I said, though, if Ohio State or Clemson loses, I think Florida can make a legitimate gripe if they beat Alabama. Iowa State and Oklahoma are both really good teams. I just think their losses earlier in the year are really going to hurt them when the committee is deciding. Um, if Oklahoma wins, I just still don't think they're going to be able to get in because of their loss early in the year. If Iowa State does win um, and they move to 9-2 and with their only losses going against a ranked Oklahoma State team, and Louisiana, who eventually got ranked, they could potentially get in. Again, it's going to all really come down to Ohio State and Clemson and if those teams win or not. If both those teams win, I think Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson will be your four teams. But if one or both of them loses, where I think you're going to see um, potential mix-up there for the college football playoff. I actually will be doing another episode about the college football playoff probably in the next few weeks. Um, it's an idea me and my cousin discussed about how to expand the college football playoff and make it a lot more exciting for fans and make it more competitive to actually get in and allow some of these teams like the Cincinnati's of the world um, who 
most likely, even though they could end the season undefeated at 9-0, just because of the conference they're in, they probably won't get in, which to me isn't completely fair. You look at Coastal Carolina and BYU had an unreal game um, a few weeks ago. To me, those are type of teams that deserve a chance to compete with some of these big dogs. You never know when a team can upset someone they haven't played before. Um, so I'll get into that in probably a few weeks from now. Um, transitioning over to MLB. So free agency is kind of starting to heat up. Because of COVID and everything, I think free agency in all sports is kind of weird right now. Just because I think the money isn't where it would be um, from a market perspective for each of these players. If COVID was not going on, we've seen it in hockey. Um, you're kind of seeing it now a little bit in MLB free agency. A lot of these top name guys who normally would probably be gone by now are kind of filling or feeling out the market. Um, the only notable signings really so far, you have James McCann going from the Chicago White Sox to the New York Mets in a deal with the catcher. You have Charlie Morton, an older pitcher but still reliable, going moving on from the Rays to the Braves. Then you have uh, Kevin Ghostman, for a pitcher, accepted his qualifying offer from the Giants, and Marcus Stroman, who the Mets acquired from the Blue Jays a few seasons ago, accepted his qualifying offer to stay with the Mets as well. The four big names in free agency this year for the MLB, to me, are George Springer, the center fielder for the Astros, uh, JT Ramuda, the catcher from the Phillies, Trevor Bauer, the pitcher from the Reds, I think is the top commodity, and then DJ LeMahieu, an MVP considerate, uh, second baseman for the New York Yankees. To me, those are the four names to keep an eye on. With George Springer, there's been a lot of teams rumored to be in on him. The Mets and the Blue Jays, to me, are the most interesting teams in free agency because the Blue Jays have a really, really young core with you know Biggio, Bichette, Guerrero, Gurriel, all those type of guys. And they have a young pitching staff, uh, Pearson, who they got from the Mets in the Stroman deal, um, I think they're going to be major buyers just because they showed the capability that in a few years from now, they could be real World Series contenders. Then the Mets just got a new owner. They have a guy that's going to spend a lot of money, try to put the Mets back on the map. They want to outdo the Yankees um, and get some of these top free agents. So, you know, Springer, LeMahieu, Bauer, all these guys have been names linked to the New York Mets. I think it'd be very tough to get all of them. I think they already decided to not get the catcher from the Phillies, uh, JT, uh, just because they decided to sign James McCann, a little bit of an older catcher, but um, I think it was a good deal for them. The White Sox are also another team that's a little bit interesting. They've been rumored to be in, um, on the catcher from the Phillies, Ramudo. Uh, the Cardinals, same thing, because Molina potentially is going to be leaving. So those are names I'd watch for him. Springer, like I said before, the Mets and Blue Jays in addition. I'd say the Red Sox and the Tigers have been the two most uh, teams I've been seeing linked to him. Trevor Bauer is really interesting because I think he's an outstanding pitcher and he could really go anywhere he wants. I do ultimately think the Mets are going to make a huge run at him. I think he'd be a good fit for the Blue Jays too, but I just think the Mets have the amount of money he's going to want. Um, and I think he does actually want to stay in the NL. And then DJ LeMahieu from the reports are that the Yankees and him have been in talks. 
but the money isn't where it wants he wants to be. The contract term is where he wants it, but the money is about twenty to twenty five million dollars off. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. The Dodgers have been linked to Lemayhu because the Dodgers are another team that's always in on everybody. The Blue Jays is a little bit interesting because the idea with Lemayhu there is that he can kind of rotate around the infield, potentially even play first base, move Vladdy back to third. Um, it really depends on what they want to do with that infield, but he's kind of going to be a utility guy if the Blue Jays were to get him. At the end of the day, I think the Yankees are going to be able to make him their number one priority and bring him back. But if he doesn't go back there, I do think the Dodgers would be the team um, to keep an eye out for. Other than that, there aren't really. This isn't the biggest top-heavy free agency class like we've had um, in the past years. But those are the four players I really keep an eye on. And as the offseason progresses, we'll talk about some other players and the signings as they happen. But right now, there really isn't just too much going on in the MLB as far as free agency goes. But it's something we will um, keep track of in the future. And then finishing off today's episode, we're going to be doing an early NFL 2021 mock draft. I'm going through the top 10 teams where they stand right now. So as of today, the New York Jets have the number one pick, Jacksonville at two, Cincinnati three, the Chargers four, Cowboys five, Panthers six, Falcons seven, the Miami Dolphins eight, because I get that via Houston because of the trade for Laramie Tunsil um, a few years ago, Philadelphia Eagles at nine, and the New York Giants at 10. Number one, New York Jets, I think it's been pretty obvious. If Trevor Lawrence does decide to come out, they are going to go that route. I've always been a believer that Sam Darnold is actually a very good quarterback. However, he's just been put in a really bad situation, really bad coach, haven't put anything around him offensively. I've talked about trading Sam Darnold to a team like the Steelers or even the Saints who have an aging quarterback like Drew Brees or Ben Rosberger. Juju Smith-Schuster's been on the record saying he would love to have Sam Darnold in Pittsburgh. They play together at USC. Um, So... You know, I think Sam Darnold would be a good fit there. They'll probably move on from him. I don't know what his value would be. I'd say probably a second-round pick if they wanted to move on from him. Then you have the Jacksonville Jaguars at number two. I think their pick there is also obvious. Justin Fields, a quarterback from Ohio State. Gardner Minshew, Mike Glennon, whoever else they have in that quarterback room clearly isn't going to be the answer. They found a hidden gem in undrafted running back Robinson. They have a few offensive weapons like DJ Chark, Keelan Cole, uh, LaVisca Chenault, and the extra offensive line isn't actually as bad as people think it is. Their defense definitely needs some upgrading. They pretty much have traded all their former number one defensive picks, so they definitely need to just bolster the roster back up. I'm fully expecting they're going to get a new coach, um, and just a new coaching staff in general. Third, Cincinnati Bengals. This is also a pretty easy pick. Uh, Penne Sewell, Hopefully I pronounced that right. The offensive lineman from Oregon touted as the best offensive lineman in this draft. Joe Burrow, obviously, was getting hit left and right. One of the main reasons he, unfortunately, suffered that huge injury. It'll be a timetable if he'll even be back for next year. I think he will be at some point. But they need to do better to protect him. So going out and getting the best offensive lineman in the draft, I think, makes the most sense. The Chargers at four, uh, Samuel Cosme, the offensive lineman from Texas. Um, I think I'm a little higher on him than some other people I've seen in mock drafts. However, this is another case. Justin Herbert, 
They need more protection for him. They brought in some guys in the offseason who just haven't been able to stay healthy. Um, they just have to protect him. Their offense already is pretty good as is. You know, Hunter Henry's going to be a free agent, but Keenan Allen with Mike Williams. They've had some other receivers step up. Austin Eckler's obviously a beast out of the backfield. Defensively, they've just been hammered with injuries. Bosa, Ingram, Chris Harris, Derwin James. They trade Desmond King, so they've just been banged up all over the place. If they can get fully healthy and get a new head coach in there, I think they'll be set. But protecting Justin Herbert for the future is going to be number one priority for them. Dallas Cowboys, they have so much they need. I went with Patrick uh, Surgeon the second from Alabama, the cornerback, just because their defense outside. I know they drafted Trevon Diggs, and he. Maybe they need to address some things elsewhere. But I just think that cornerback spot has made them so susceptible um, throughout the course of the season. Um, I think that's easily their uh, number one priority. Offensively, if Dak Prescott can come back healthy, there's no reason the offense can't be better. I know their offensive line struggled, but Zeke's going to have to step up. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. It's just, they just have so much talent that it's very hard um, to see how they're struggling. So Patrick Certain the second is who I would pick there. Picks six and seven, I think, are going to be the most intriguing in the whole draft. Whether or not these two teams finish in this spot by the end of the season, I don't know. But the Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons. So Carolina's in an interesting spot because Matt Rule has done an excellent job for them in his first year. I think they're exceeding expectations. Teddy Bridgewater's actually not playing terrible. However, I don't think he's the long-term answer. So to me, getting a quarterback here to either start right away or at least develop behind Bridgewater for a year is the correct option. It's just a matter of who you want to take. And based on Matt Rule's offense and just the way um, it's been run, I think Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State, would be the guy here that he would select. And then that kind of moves me to my next guy. I have Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU, going to the Atlanta Falcons. I think Matt Ryan would be a good mentor for him for a year. I think it's clear that Matt Ryan is probably on the downspin of his career. Maybe they move on from him. Kind of a similar situation like him and Detroit's Matthew Stafford. I think both those guys maybe need a fresh start, even though they've been there their whole careers. Wilson's a good quarterback, but I definitely think he wouldn't be able to step in and start right away. He needs to get a little bit more muscle added to him. I think his arm strength is a question mark at points. Um, I actually think Wilson would be a good fit for Carolina as well, but I just think Lance, um, bigger arm, and I think he would fit into rule system better. Miami at number eight is in a great position to really build around Tua. I think this is where they go and get a wide receiver. Very tough who would go here, but I went with Devontae Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama. Um, and then number nine, the Philadelphia Eagles. They have to just continue to build more offense. Um, Jamar Chase, big, huge wide receiver from LSU. You saw what him and Justin Jefferson were doing for LSU last year. Um, I think Chase is ready to come in and be a day one impact guy, whether it's for Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, or another quarterback. There's no way he falls out of the top 10, in my opinion. And then the Giants, 
Very interesting because you're going to have Saquon coming back. I think they do need some wide receiver help, but I think they might look in the second, third rounds of free agency for that. Their offensive line's actually been much improved this year, but they could still use some help there. However, defensively, I think their biggest help they're going to need is at the linebacking position. So I went with Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. Just freak athlete, moves very well, hits the holes hard um, when the running back's going through it. Isn't as bad of a coverage corner as people think he is, in my opinion, just watching some of the highlights of him for Penn State. Um, And I think he's a top 10 pick talent. Obviously, all this could change depending on the positions and where teams move up and down over these last three weeks or so um, and into the playoffs and what other trades happen and everything. So we will see and we'll have another mock draft closer to the NFL draft. Um, obviously, it's pretty early, but I always like to throw it out there just to give people an idea of what teams could be looking to do. I always like doing this for myself to see how close I actually was of where that player could be picked and if I was close with the team. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Like I said, I'll be posting this um, to tomorrow, and you'll be hearing it actually today when I post it. But I'll be back again on Monday um, going over the Bills-Broncos game. Any other Sabres news, probably talk some Canisius and UB basketball probably throw some St. Bonaventure basketball in there as well but that's going to do it for today's episode appreciate everyone for tuning in this has been an English Encore podcast Buffalo's favorite sports channel